Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. I love hearing that sound every Sunday. And it's making, it's, it's growing bigger and louder every time. That's wonderful. All right, guys, uh, we are finishing the series called Religious Detox. And I, those of you who've been away, who've been traveling, I know I hate to sound like I'm tooting our own horn, but like this series of messages was really, really good and liberating so many people. So if you missed a few of those, please go on YouTube, catch up. Like Robert traveled out of state and he couldn't get online. He couldn't find a way to listen to that. I said, like, I almost envious of you. Like, you got to listen to that stuff like before. Uh, it's good. Well, anyway, this is the last message in the series, Religious Detox. And in this series, we've been, we've been telling you that God is better than we thought he is. We've been telling you that the gospel translated as good news is a better news than you thought it is. And we were comparing and we were, we were telling you that over the course of centuries, the, we, we generated so many layers of traditions that the cut cluttered over the pure gospel of grace. And those layers of human, humanly engineered and generated traditions became toxic particles that uh, penetrate your soul and steal the power, the hope, the joy that the true gospel gives. And how we did this uh, detox, we would just open the gospel, push the inner reset button like we've never read it before, and try to read it like for the first time, and just try to believe that they really mean what they say. And all of a sudden, you see things like you've never seen before. And the biggest killer of joy, hope, courage, power, strength, your ability to love people is not sin. It's religion. Religion wants to take all of your vision and consume it by sin consciousness and turn your life into a struggle with sin or with this or with that. God wants you to know that He's an amazing, loving Father. And Jesus has done it all so that you can come right into the middle of the fellowship with this amazing Father. That's the gospel. That's the, that's what happened to all of you, but some of you don't know it yet. You need to learn it. You need to learn about it. You need to discover it. I call it to rediscover the, the power of the gospel. Well, anyway, today my message is the final one, and I gave a title to this message, Your High Calling. Your High Calling. We've been, we've been hammering the same truth over and over in this church, Neil and I, and we'll continue to do that, that salvation is always a gift of grace. It's a gift. 
we have established it and we will continue to establish it. Yet, when we read the, the epistles of Paul, he usually presents the gospel as a gift of God's grace. And then he, he comes to the point that he calls therefore point. Lyndon preached a couple of years ago and his message was therefore. So every time you hear therefore message, make sure you know what, what is there before therefore. So he comes to therefore and therefore he, he begins to tell you, he, he begins to tell you that you need to live carefully. You need to pay attention how you live. He says, therefore, walk worthy of your calling. And I'm going to talk to you about your calling today as a Christian in this world, on this earth, in this time and in this place. But before I do, religion will try to make you think, that you make yourself worthy by living a certain way. Don't read it into this text. It's not true. Paul says, here's the wonderful, amazing gospel. Here's what God has done for you, with you, in you, through Jesus. Therefore, walk worthy of your calling. The calling is already yours. You don't qualify yourself by trying to reform your life. You learn about who you are in Christ. You learn about what your calling is. And then it's easy to look at your life and say, hey, this doesn't fit to my calling. I'm going to dump it. Do you see the difference? There's a fundamental difference between life of the gospel and life of religion. So I want to start with this verse. 1 Peter 2.9. Peter is speaking to Christians. Every single word here, every single word here is applicable to you. So apply it to yourself as I read it. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's not Peter speaking to some very special church. That's Holy Spirit speaking to every one of you. That's about you. And the, I believe this scripture actually reveals what is this, our high calling. And it's captured in, these, in all of these words, but especially in these two words. Royal priesthood. How many of you think of yourself as royal priest? How many of you think, some people do here, that's, I'm amazed. They're either, they either believe the gospel or they're delusional. I don't know. 
<laughs> no, guys, it's again, it's one of those words that became empty over centuries of Christian history because all the meaning was lost in religious teachings. They mean almost nothing, but God says, you are king and you are a priest. And how many of you feel like that? Not many. Some do, but I'm glad for you. Well, anyway, so this captures that the high calling of every Christian is described with these two words, priest and kings. And I'm going to try to unpack them for you so that if, if now they almost have no meaning, at least you will start getting some meaning. These words would become meaningful for you and this, you would find a way to actually see yourself in the light of this. So, so your high calling again in this world is to be a priest and a king. And I want to give a quick disclaimer. Some of you have a vague understanding of what a priest is. But it's, I'm pretty sure 90% of your idea is wrong. Because it's formed and tainted uh, by the cultural slash religious understanding of priesthood is. Some of you have like Catholic background. Some of you have more liturgical church tradition background where there are official office of a priest. That institution of a priesthood in, in different traditions of Christian churches has nothing to do with the biblical concept of priest. Or you might think of a priest as something like a pastor. So you might think, of, okay, it's, 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 it's basically a professional Christian. It's someone who has gone through some kind of a training, and he can do Christian things more professionally. He can speak like Dennis and Neil does from the pulpit. They can train, they can teach, they can do some kind of ceremonies. And if I tell you, you all are priests, you will say, yeah, yeah to extend, I need to learn to do the same stuff. Maybe not as polished, but kind of... No, I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about you being a little version of Neil and me. No. I'm talking about you being a true priest. True priest. And let's try to unpack what the priest is. This is a very low view of priesthood if you just look at the, to them. Look at them as like pastors or religious workers. So the first time... The Bible speaks of a royal kingdom. By the way, the priest, the kingdom of priests is a concept that comes from the Old Testament. So we need to look at the Old Testament. Over time in the, uh, in the history of Israel, these two offices were separated. There were kings and there were priests and they were different, expressly different. And actually, it was even forbidden to mix them. But in the very beginning, the first time God speaks of his heart's intention... Of his, uh, of his design, his idea for his people, he speaks of priests and kings together. And listen to this passage. It's found in Exodus 19. Well, before I quote this scripture, let me tell you, he speaks these words in the time of transition and transformation for the people of God. Do you, some of you, most of you, I hope, you read the story of the formation of the nation of Israel, right? So God took them out of Egypt, out of slavery. They're slaves. 
They're a bunch of disorganized, short-sighted slaves that are not used to think in a way of making decisions. When you're a slave, you don't decide what you get to do, right? I'm taking a caveat, but I want you to see that because when God speaks these words about being priests and kings, he speaks to a bunch of disorganized slaves with no vision, already taken out of slavery, and his idea for them to become an army, to become a kingdom, to become a nation, to become a very special nation that would have God at the center of their life, would have such an intimate knowledge of God that they would be able to become revealers of who God is to all the nations of the world. That's his heart's desire. And here they are. They're not in Egypt in slavery, but they're not in the promised land yet. They're in the middle. They're nobodies yet. They've seen God work but they haven't become who God wants them to be. That's most of us, guys. Let me read it. And God speaks this to Moses. Let's read it. Exodus 19, 4 through 6. You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. That's about you. Now, therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Do you hear this? Do you understand that when Peter speaks his words that I started this message, he almost quotes this passage. He says, guys, you are the ones in whom finally God's heart, heart's desire is being fulfilled, is coming to fruition. You are the special people of God, holy nation taken, apart, taken aside, uh, set aside for his special possession to be kingdom of priests. All right. So... In the nation of Israel, there were three special people, three special kinds of people. Everybody was part of the nation of God, but there were three special people that were designated, recognized as special, set apart as special. Who knows what I'm talking about? Kings, priests, and prophets. And all of them were anointed by special sacred oil that represented, signified the Spirit of God. And the moment this oil was poured on those people, the moment it hit their head and began to flow down their face and their body, that moment they became set apart as a special person with a special call of God, either to be a prophet or to be a king or to be a priest. And <laughs> all right, Lord Jesus. So religion tells you that the Christian is someone who believes certain things and does certain things. 
Christian is someone who goes to church, who reads his Bible, who does volunteers at church. That's a very low view of who believer is. A word Christian has the same root that the word Christ. How many of you know what Christ is? Christ is not a last name of Jesus. The anointed one, it refers to the same imagery. All these offices in the Old Testament, although they were expressly distinct and different, they were all indicating to the one who was yet to come. The ultimate anointed one, the ultimate priest, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate king. And when you say, I am a Christian, you know what you're declaring? You're saying that I belong to him by sharing the same anointing that is upon him. I walk in this earth having the same anointing as a priest, as a king, and as a prophet. Dennis, you think too much of yourself. No, I read my Bible. And I begin to believe it. And that's what we're calling you to do. So, Christian, when you begin to understand your calling and you begin to understand the operation of the anointing in you, you get to be excited about every single day of your life. Because you get to participate in the ministry of the anointed one in Springfield, Ohio in 2023. Anywhere you go to. So... This is your high calling. So let me say a few words about priest, and I'll say a few words about king. And again, remember, in the beginning, God puts them together. And at the end, in the New Testament, he also puts them together. Originally, I was going to talk about the king only, not so much about the priest. But as I began to prepare and study the New Testament, I realized, no, God puts them together. You can't separate them. They're like two sides of the same thing, and it has something to do with your calling. So... A priest is someone who has access to God and represents God to people who don't have access to him yet. I'll say it again. A priest is someone who is absolutely secure in his access to God. He is connected already. And he represents God that he's connected with to those people who are not connected with him yet. Does it make sense? And this is you. This is you and me. A priest is a mediator. He connects the disconnected. He's a bridge between these two, you know? Once again, a priest is someone who has access to God and uses this access to bring people. Basically, a priest is someone who brings people to God. And also, he's someone who brings God to people. A priest is someone who takes people, and because he has access, he brings them to God. He also takes God, the reality of God, his presence, and he brings it to people. I'm talking about you. Your high calling. 1 Timothy 2, 1, 4, Paul encourages the church. When you begin to understand that, prayer 
ceases to be a hard work and a toil and a, something that you do out of Christian obligation, you want to do that because you know something's happening. Let me read 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. First of all, he says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. It's a good thing to have peaceful and quiet life. But this is not the ultimate goal. He keeps on going. He says, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. Why? This is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Why? Because God desires that all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. <clears throat> so a priest is someone who regularly brings people to God. You know, high priest in the Old Testament had a very special garments. And he had all kinds of elements. But they were very special. There was a very special element of his sacred garments. <clears throat> there was a square-shaped plate of gold with 12 precious stones in it. And each stone represented a tribe of Israel. And he would put it on his heart. He would carry the people of God on his heart. And he would bring them into the middle of the Holy of Holies. He would bring the people of God into the presence of God. That's a priestly work. You know, we have a small group of people every morning for how many years? Nine. For nine years, every single morning, there is a small group of people gathering together and praying for all of you. And the book of Revelation says, that when saints, New Covenant, New Testament saints pray, the spiritual reality, what happens, is somebody puts a fire on the incense and it goes right into the presence of God and it stirs things up in heaven and angels begin to go back and forth and the history begins to shift and change. Do you see? It's one thing when you're like, oh, Heavenly Father, blah, 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 whatever. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to pray. And this picture, it's a, it's a different story. You participate in the heavenly ministry of Christ as a high priest. So to be a priest means you connect disconnected. You, you mediate. You bring people to God and you bring uh, God to people. Others, let's look at the other side. So you bring people to God. And by the way, do that. Do that by faith, expecting God to move. Pray for, for yourself, for your family, for people you know, for circumstances, and expect to see the results. Because you're a priest, you're connected, you have access. You burn incense. You move angels. Do you believe that? Is it because of you? No. It's your calling in the gospel. Okay, uh, and here's the example how you walk around a priest is someone who walks as a representative of God. So he knows he carries something. Every time you read in the Old Testament, somebody enters into the presence of God. When they leave, they have a residual presence on them. Do you know that? So if you take prayer or Bible or anything, not as a Christian duty, but as an entry point into the presence of God, you're going to have a residual presence on you. And people will recognize it in you. And you should expect that. Yesterday, we trained a group of people to pray prophetically, which is when you pray, 
you tap into the Spirit of God and you expect God to give you utterances for that specific person you're praying for. To give images, to give impressions, to give interpretations. And people who have never done it begin to flow in it immediately. Why? Because the Spirit of God, because they have the anointing, because they're Christians, they're anointed. They join through the anointing to the anointed one. And the anointed one ministers to people today. Does this make sense? All right. Okay, I'm more of a teaching today than a preaching. So you're used to me like, ah, but I'm, I'm kind of leading you somewhere. And I'm trying to start this thought process in your mind that I'm a priest. I'm a priest. I have access to God. I'm connected. And I'm going to be used by God to connect disconnected. All right? So the, the, the second aspect is that when you go into the world from the presence of God, you carry His presence, and God is going to use you, if you're open, to, to manifest Himself through you. What if I haven't read my Bible for two weeks? doesn't matter, honestly. It's good to read the, your Bible. But again, you're a vessel of God filled with the oil of God. All right, so I'll just read this scripture, and I read it many times before, but I want you to understand the model of the New Testament ministry. No matter what you do, it's never about condemnation. New Testament priestly ministry belongs to every believer, and it's never about condemnation of people, but always about reconciliation of people to God, who has already reconciled. And the most famous passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning from verse 14 through 21. Let's read it quickly. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. So you see what's happening? If you walk around in this world, you don't separate people into categories. This is a good person. This is a bad person. This is decent. This is not so decent. You look at them through the cross of Christ. You try to understand what is it that the Spirit of God is doing? How is He applying what God has done on the cross in their life? Is the Spirit of God already in them or He's just covering over them trying to get them right in? Are they already connected and they need to be connected and established more or they're still disconnected and you might be the key entry point into the kingdom at this moment? So much silence. I don't know. Are you hearing me or... Thank you. Wow, I heard Luther for the first time. Awesome. <laughs> I'm getting people saved one by one. Just kidding. I'm sorry, Luther. Thank you. I appreciate it. So you're, what I'm trying to tell you, you might think you're a slave. You're nobody. You have no influence. Dude, you have so much influence. You have no clue. You live so lower, so subpar to what God has in mind for you. You have eternal influence. Not just temporary one. You are a priest. You have access. You bring people to God and you bring God to people. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. For the love of God controls us. Because we have concluded this. That one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And we and he died for all. That those who leave us might no longer live for themselves. But for him who for their sake died and was raised from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded christ according to the flesh we regard him thus no longer therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come 
All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Past tense, already done, established. You are connected. Reconciled to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Here comes the, in a nutshell, the heart of the ministry of the new covenant that is your ministry as a priest. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled with God who already reconciled himself with you. For our sake we made him for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God you bring God to people you expect God to speak to people through you we as i told you we just did the training and it was amazing so today when we worship come to if you need a prayer if you need a word from God come to to be prayed by these people they will come expecting for God to speak, to touch you. Basically, when you minister to people in the, in the new covenant, you release God's heart, God's mind, God's attitude to people. And it changes them forever. <clears throat> okay. Okay, I talked a little bit about priests. Now, a few words about kings. And I won't be able to say much. But this is the most neglected aspect. I mean, priests, we somewhat get it. Kings, so foreign to us. Do you feel like a king? Do you walk like a king? Do you try to act like a king? You might look ridiculous, depending on your concept of a king. So let's look at some of it. So... A king basically is the one who is the head and not a tail. Remember God was speaking to a bunch of ex-slaves who haven't become anything yet. And he was telling them what he wanted them to become. That's you, my friend. You used to be a slave to sin, to unrighteousness, to all kinds of things. You used to think certain things about yourself. You used to think you're nobody. You're a tail. You just respond. You just react. Whatever happens, happens, and then you try to survive. That's another good thing. Like, for example, I, I consider myself, I grew up in a bad neighborhood, and I consider myself to be a street-smart kid. Have you heard this expression? Some of you are street-smart kids. That's not a king. You're great at survival. You, you know how to read people. You know what's expected of you. You understand the rules, unspoken rules quickly. You, you're fast. You're quick. You're sharp. You have no vision. And if you have no vision, you have no influence. Do you understand that? Don't settle there. I used to be proud that I'm a street smart kid. I'm not anymore. I want to be a king. Because God wants me to be a king. A king sees the future that is not here yet. And the king brings this future to become present. And when king leaves... His past becomes the reality, the basis, the foundation. He leaves the place better than when he came in. That's you. That's you. That's God's king. Somebody said he's supposed to. Yes, <laughs> he's supposed to, not always. So a king is the one 
who is the head and not a tail. He makes decisions and declares and decrees. And when he does, things happen. When king says a word, it's not blah, blah. It changes something. Sometimes a life and death depends on the word of a king. That's why Paul says, Peter says, live worthy of your calling. Speak worthy of your calling. It's not a religious condemnation thing. It's just you take your word seriously. You understand? He has authority and he uses that. He fights and he takes possessions. He makes firm boundaries and he pushes the enemy back, forces back and advances the realm of the kingdom. I'll just say a few words. Here's the good news for you. In the summer, we're going to do a whole series about you as a king. So we'll have good time immersing ourselves in some of the concept and aspect related to this. So don't worry. You don't have to like be totally reformed today. Just start thinking this way. A few things that I will say and I will be finished. First of all, as a king, you're to do the stuff. You're to, to do spiritual stuff. You're to pray for people's healing and see people healed. Do you know that? You can choose to, to keep it safe, to play it safe and not to cross the chicken line. Or you can choose, okay, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to cross the chicken line and exercise my faith and believe the authority God gave me. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to receive the word from God for this person and I'm going to minister as a priest. But also, if I see evil forces in operation in this person's life, I'm going to use authority to kick their <laughs> blessed assurance. I, I'm going to take an action. I'm going to get myself involved. Here's what happened over the history. The bad thing happened to America and to many countries because of religious influence. They think the best calling ever is to be a pastor. So if somebody begins to be serious about their spiritual Christian walk... You send them to a seminary to become a pastor. That was the worst thing that we've done to a lot of people. The horrible pastors. Because God called them to be king somewhere else. He called them to be king in business. He called them to be kings in, in, in arts. He called them to be kings in, uh, in the services of first responders. He called them to be kings everywhere. Listen, I'm going to say something that some of you will think is a heresy. He called some of the Christians to go be kings in politics. Seriously. When you're religious, you, you're constricted by this religious spirit and you think, okay, if I want to be a king or like spiritual or anything, if I want to be serious about God, I, I want to just pray 24-7, read my Bible and preach the word of God. Dude. You are a king that carries authority and power. And God validates this authority and power by shifting things around. Your word means something and your action means something. And young people, think big. Ask God. Look at your heart. What's on your heart? What do you want to become? He wants kings in sports. Because sports is a religion. And he wants godly men there who pray to real God, not the God of success. He wants 
king's doctors. He wants king's plumbers. He wants king's everything. He wants to infiltrate every area of life because he wants his kingdom to advance. Who's going to do that? You. Enough said. Amen. So, one important question. How? How in the world can we step into that? How do we exercise that? And that comes religion again and says, that's how you do it. And he gives you, they give you recipes. They give you like, you pray, you fast, you do this, you pray in tongues for three hours a day. You do this, you do that. No, here's how you do it. Romans 5, 17. For if we, for if, because of one man's trespass, that's Adam, first king that failed as a king. Death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign. They will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. That's good. Much more will those, you guys, who receive the abundance of grace. Say with me, the abundance of grace. Here's your main task. You need to learn to receive, not just grace, but the abundance of grace. Not just for you. But for everybody around you, abundance of grace to minister as a priest and to minister as a king. You will reign in life. Finally, before I leave and we start worshiping, I want to point out to one thing that needs to start changing in your mind. So that you would start thinking like a king. You would start becoming like a king. If you don't get that, you won't be getting traction. One thing that we need to understand. Recently I've been to a meeting when people discussed how church can grow and how church can do this and that. And it felt like I was in the meeting of a corporate business. They spoke nothing of this heavenly reality. They spoke much about marketing and approaches and this and that. Guys, I hate that because we're not called to operate like this world operates. Because if you keep digging, this world, here's how this world operates. It doesn't matter if they put the Christian bumper sticker on it, it still operates out of the wrong spirit. It's Babylon. It's always manifests itself as a hard work. You work hard, that's when you can expect things to happen. Hard work, production, control, manipulation through fear and condemnation. You try to gain power by controlling people and manipulating people. And it's based on uncertain mentality, mindset. Scarcity, shortage, lack. There's a limited resources. So if Robert wins, I lose. If I win, Robert loses. So we fight for resources. King does not think like that. 
If you think in terms of shortage, even if you get to the top of the hill and you think, now I'm kind of a king, you will become a slave driver, an ex-slave that became the top slave. And you drive everybody into slavery. A king's things out of abundance. So your number one goal is to learn to break this mindset of shortage, scarcity, and lack. You need to know that being an extension of God in this world, you have access to all the resources to do anything that God tells you to do. You have enough for yourself and for people beyond, for others. Okay. All right, guys. I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah. And I'm going to, I'm wrapping it up with, with one quote from the very end of the Bible. Listen to this. In this one last passage. So there is no, there is no reality of royal priesthood in your life if it's not rooted in the gospel of grace because it's based on the abundance of grace and the gift, free gift of righteousness. Listen to this, the book of Revelation, the beginning of the book of Revelation, the, the very final word of God in the Bible. Chapter 1, verse 4, beginning from verse 4. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits, who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the over the kings of the earth so we recognize our kings of the earth but in the same breath he says to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.